American Unity Radio. Uh, here we are, and we are talking about a subject very dear to my heart. The subject of David. <laughs> I had two Davids in my life. One was one that I grew up with and spent the most time with. And the other one was the one that I sort of corresponded with long into adulthood from childhood. And they were both pretty important, but I never knew why. And then I started to think about Camp David, and it all started to come together in my head. So welcome to the show about Camp David and the name David and what it means in our society. episode, but the name David is very special in my life and in the lives of many of the Jewish people. The reason that we Jews are so impressed with David is that he was our bravest general. He defeated Goliath, the giant, and he led Israel in a time of great need for a wonderful leader. And even though he had his problems, he did give the world its wisest man, arguably King Solomon. So, the psalmist, who was also David, is a musician, and this is why he's important. But first, a musical number by me. Oh, just a quick thing. I'm using an American Fife in nickel and a Kala ukulele. And the Fife is a weapon of war and the ukulele is the weapon of peace. <laughs> Does that mean he's not religious? 
patience again. I have no patience for patience. I have no patience for patience ever again. I'm taking God's. I'm taking God's. I'm taking God's. Now that's just an interlude because then I have the weapon of truth. patience again you hear me now I'm not taking patience again I have no patience for the patience because I'm not taking patience again I'm taking God's I'm taking God's I'm taking God's is it a song is it a discussion I don't know what it is I'm taking only people who want to radically change their lives and no one else. So we're going to have a conversation on American Unity Radio today about Davids. Let's talk about Davids. Let's talk about that name, what that name means. David is the name in Hebrew. And, uh, you know, it has meaning, great meaning. And it is also the name of one of our greatest kings. So, why was he a great king? Well, because he was true to himself. Because while he wasn't the biggest or the most notable of his brothers... God had a different plan for him because he was a hero of the Jewish people. And because he was a hero of the Jewish people, it's notable that he also was an artist, a truth teller, a person who made beautiful sounds on the instrument that he played, which was a stringed instrument. He also led people to war. Why? Because he had to. It wasn't something that he wanted to do. It was something that was forced about on, on him. And another thing that he did, interestingly, was he taught us how to grieve. Seven days and you dust yourself off. So I think David is a very important figure in a lot of ways spoke directly to God through music realized that to talk to God you have to cast magical spells and the magical spells are in energy and metaphor or vibration and that sound is the language of God how? 
Sound is how we communicate to each other metaphor much of the time, although there are visions as well, but they're less common. But sound is usually how we pray. Sound is usually how we sing, right? Usually. There are people who have alternate abilities in this world. I'm not talking about psychic powers. I'm talking about something more ancient than that notion. I'm talking about people who see the way the universe runs. And sometimes they're people with limited abilities in some areas and great abilities in others. I'm talking about people with disabilities. Our best example from modern times is probably the late Stephen Hawking, who unfolded many of the mysteries of the universe. And if you'll recall, Einstein wasn't the greatest student. And if you'll recall, Benjamin Franklin could never pay attention to one thing at a time. because he was a polymath. He could do everything. So people who are limited in some ways find ways to adapt, which proves their intelligence. We need to let people adapt. If you'll remember, the greatest hypnotherapist of all time is probably Milton H. Erickson. And I think David was an expert adapter. And so have the Davids I've known in my life, who I hope to introduce to you, if not on this podcast, then on a future one. Because we're getting this together, but one of our Davids is in Utah. I'm like, you telling me that you didn't see enough out there? I thought Utah everything. (laughs) That's a pun that my sister would like. So... I want to talk about the Davids on this program, but it doesn't have to be today. I mean, I have a program I have to put out, right? It doesn't have to be today. Maybe tomorrow. But I do want to talk about Camp David, because Camp David is where good things happen in the United States of America. Camp David is the presidential retreat. I believe it's in Maryland. And... I think that there's significance to having the songwriter king's name on the name of the camp. Now, I'm not saying that it was arranged this way. I'm saying that the songwriter king of the Bible's name is the name of the place where we make peace with other nations, Camp David, the presidential retreat. Because believe it or not, Peace is the job of the presidency. Yes, the president is the commander-in-chief when necessary for war. But peace is the job of the United States presidency. And Camp David, I think, is the most sacredly named place of peace in the United States of America because our presidents have used it to try to settle the conflicts between love and justice. And so that's the significance for me of a place in this country, America, our country, whether you're red, white, blue, green, purple. No, you're all purple. Come on. And that's why I think that justice 
is the main consideration in our society right now. Justice, justice, justice. No justice, no peace. It makes sense. And there are all these people in the world that don't have justice. And if we're to be the light to the world, whether you're Jewish or Christian, you're supposed to believe that. Then maybe, maybe, maybe we should be focusing on justice considerations, which is why we have diplomacy, which is why we give money to other governments to create justice in their countries so that we can help them have a more just society so they don't attack us because we have a lot of stuff here and most of it we got unjustly. So that is why I am excited about Camp David and what it represents for this country and maybe for the Scales Party. Go to scalesparty.com, check it out. It's a thought project. It's not real. It's a thought project. It's not real. But I think that the reason that the name David has been so significant in my life is because we should be making peace in this world and we should be doing it with justice. And that's why we created the Scales Party, which is a purple party, but you can't really join it because it's a party that says there shouldn't be political parties in America. Thank you, and please contribute to our program at AmericanUnityRadio.com. We would love to have you on the program. I'm in my backyard, and the sound that you're hearing is the sound of a tiny $10 motor that is acting like a vacuum pump to suck the air out of the bottom of an Excursion 5 raft that my family and I got um, for the lake here. And uh, I just thought it was really funny that um, I feel a little bit like a shaman doing it because... You know, the shamans were active guys, right? Like, these weren't guys who just sat around. They, they did lots of dancing around and, you know, using their bodies for effect. And they were using performance value, and the performance value is the metaphor. I really believe, and I'm going to say this over and over again, that the Freemasons who founded this country understood that God is metaphoric. Not that we're atheists. We pledge ourselves to God when we take our vows as Freemasons. We pledge ourselves to vows of serving God. And uh, I think the Masons understand that it doesn't matter which one you serve. It only matters that you believe what you're doing is holy in this world. You should believe what you're doing is right. And there are people who believe what they're doing is right who are maybe misinformed. And I believe we have a lot of that in our world. But there's also another class of citizen. And this other class of citizen in the United States really does set out to hurt other people. Maybe because they've been hurt so badly. Who knows? But they set out to hurt other people. And those are the ones we have to watch. 
So that's why in having an artist commission uh, to do the, um, the logo for the scalesparty.com, we chose purple needed to be in the logo because we wanted red, white, and blue to turn into purple. And we wanted the arm of the Statue of Liberty holding aloft the torch of truth and welcome. Welcome being key. We wanted this, the arm of the new Colossus holding the flame of truth, which informs the scales of justice. Justice is only tempered by mercy. Notice it's not pink, it's purple. I urge you to check out our new logo on scalesparty.com. Dr. Shippon, what would you say speculative philosophy is? Well, speculative philosophy comes from uh, philosophy that is achieved by divine insight, which is only available to a small number of humans because most of them never think to ask for it. Dr. Shippon, why are so few humans asking the question to achieve divine insight? Well, we've stopped thinking we need to pray because we have these electronic devices talking to us all the time, so we don't have to ask the universe for answers anymore. We just Google it. Dr. Shippon, are you saying Google is bad? No, absolutely not. I'm just saying that the fact that we think we can access everything actually prevents us from accessing everything. There is a super internet called the cosmos, and that's where you find your answers, not on the internet and not in philosophy itself. You find your answers through insight, not philosophy. If I were an angel of justice with the blood of the angels in my veins, I would be looking to do what is right in the world from the start and only what's right and never what's wrong. That might infuriate the people around me who are doing things that are wrong, but it wouldn't matter to me because my feelings wouldn't be caught up in their feelings too much. I might not have ever learned to love the way you love, but the love that I learned was not one of wanting or needing, because as you suspected, I always had everything I needed. So I just loved from a distance. And sometimes loving from a distance is the best thing you can do. Sometimes it's the best that you can do, even as a deity. I'm not saying I'm a deity. But if we look at the sacred geometry of the universe, you'll see 
everything makes sense. There may not be divine justice unless it comes from people. And the people need to be able to see that justice truly is blind. This is why we need our law enforcement. This is why we need our people with free speech, freedom of assembly. This is why we need our guns to back up our First Amendment. This is why Amendment 2 follows Amendment 1. This is why we have Freemasons in the world to guard the world against mental tyranny. It's always been why we had them. That's why a holy order that promises to be secular founded the United States of America. The Freemasons. You should have an interest in them. They've always had an interest in keeping you free. David. Hello, Wolf. How are you? <laughs> this is Dr. Randolph Shippon with my friend David Mays on an episode of American Unity Radio, where we are talking to people named David. And uh, one of the things that I want to say is that this particular David is one of the most important Davids in my life. Uh, uh, well, uh, thank you for saying that. That's, uh, that's very flattering. Well, you know, not everybody comes to my house and takes me for a ride in a race car. So, uh, you know, <laughs> that that's was a, a fun day, even that with was a, the, uh, the almost stop by the police. <laughs> yeah, it, it was. Um, so, David, uh, thank you so much for coming uh, on to the program. Uh, Thanks I for just, inviting me. I just wanted to ask you a question. If, if you think any of this stuff is, is totally off kilter that we're doing here on the program, I know you've been listening to some of the programs. No, no, I haven't heard anything that uh, struck me as, uh, you know, off kilter or off the rails, crazy or anything like that. That's great because I think that this is really what I want to do into the future is do a broadcast. And uh, so we've been building some branding around the idea of, a country that's able to talk to each other. And uh, I know that you have long time uh, 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 interest in positions that are outside of the norm uh, politically. Uh, I think that's fair to say, right? Is that yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I guess to whatever extent you, you would characterize libertarian thought as outside the norm, you know, it being a, uh, in some people's minds, fringe party uh, I think you, you could say that fairly. Yeah. And, and I'll be honest, you know, you know that my thing has been, you know, that, that factions or parties are problematic. Um, but I, I'll be honest of all of the movements uh, that I've been following uh, green and of course the Democrats, the Republicans, and then, you know, Bernie Sanders was almost his own thing at one point, And um you know, I've been following a lot of political stuff, but I ended up uh, voting for Gary Johnson uh, in this uh, last election because I liked the purple choice. 
I liked the choice that could bring people together across party lines. I just thought it was the most ethical thing to do. Um, I also voted for Gary Johnson. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not afraid to say. I, I think there's definitely some things about his positions and uh, his a- apparent, uh, I guess, lack of some foreign policy acumen that are a little concerning to me. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that he was a really a viable candidate, unfortunately. Yeah. But I was, you know, glad to have you around uh, in sort of in my corner. And, and I think that we, we've been on social media long enough as friends together that one of the things that we understand is that, um, wow, people can get mean in, po- in political fights. You actually taught me. I just want to give you credit where credit is due. You actually taught me the principles of arguing logically. You taught me what an ad hominem attack was. I'd never thought about it before. Oh, that's um, fascinating. Yeah. It seems like the sort of thing that, you know, as, as a trained journalist, I, I would have assumed that some of your you know, training would have included those kinds of things. No, not really. I mean, that kind of stuff is more legalistic and that would have been um, more the domain of some other people I was close to in my life who were very, very, uh, uh, really legal scholars. Um, Interesting. But, uh, I learned it in philosophy class in, in uh, college. It was part of the you know, philosophy curriculum in uh, logic, reason, and persuasion was the name of the course. Oh, well, yeah, good stuff. Wow, <laughs> we should have a lot more of all of those things in our society right now. Shouldn't we? we? Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I really would. So, I, I did want to get you on the program partly because you are a David, and I know it sounds ridiculous, but I've been looking at Davidic things. And uh, the reason I've been looking at Davidic things, as you know, is that uh, I'm 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 a true blue Jew. Like I, that's actually how I came into this world as a real one, uh, and uh, not not any uh, any phony stuff. I mean, my ancestry really does go back, and uh, and so one of the things that I I wanted to invite you into the conversation for was your name because. Your name means a lot to me for a lot of reasons. First of all, it's your name, and you've been an awesome, steadfast friend. And I know that we've disagreed on things at sometimes vehemently in the past. Um, but no, you, but that's okay. Is it, isn't you, that sort of like just humanity? Like, don't we all have things that we don't always <laughs> just don't always agree on? And yeah, I think the key and and part of the whole reason why you're even doing this podcast is because of that, because of the the division and, and argumentation that's that's going on. Yeah, yeah, it sucks. I mean, we shouldn't be this way. And and I, I think like me, you remember in America where people had different political beliefs, but maybe those political beliefs didn't divide them as much as they divide people now. I, 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 I think that people are dropping out of civic organizations because the civic organizations are leaning too left or too right. It happened in mine. Political correctness runs rampant in the field of psychology. And if you say the wrong thing or look at someone the wrong way or insert yourself sometimes into a conversation where it's pretty clear to the rest of the group that you had nothing to say in that conversation, you're immediately censored in my field as some sort of racist. And uh, that, to me, is problematic because 
it's dogmatic you know it's problematic because it's dogmatic that sounds like a song uh but uh, you'll have to write that one and uh, <laughs> but um yeah any dogma is problematic you know and um i i know that other civic organizations lean right and uh and people are like well if i'm not right i'm not right with these people and uh it interests me how groupings are almost like high school so uh one of the reasons why i, I wanted to to talk to you though is because of that name david i wanted to know what it connotes to you i i wanted to know like when you have been walking through your life as a david what what did that even mean to you i don't think that i ever really gave my name a whole lot of thought you know i'm not a particularly religious person though of course i've read you know quite a bit of the bible certainly most of the Old Testament and, and quite a bit of the New Testament as, you know, having parents who were you know, nominally Lutheran, um, you know, maybe not the practicing so much, uh, but then, you know, through Boy Scouts, we, we spent a fair bit of time in the church. You know, there was uh, obviously a, a relationship there. And huh. so I went to lots of Sunday sermons and heard a lot of Corinthians and all those sorts of things. But well, Corinthians has some good stuff. Yeah, yeah, there were there were some interesting. I couldn't possibly dig one out of my memory at the moment. Oh, but... love is patient, love is kind. Oh That's yes, from Corinthians. Yeah. If I had faith that could move mountains, you know, uh, you know, blah blah blah. But I didn't have love. You know, all of that stuff's from, from Corinthians. You know, I love this stuff, David. I've always loved this stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're a better biblical scholar than I am, for sure. Uh, but, but I think that um, my favorite thing in Corinthians, I think it's, no, it might not be. It's actually Matthew. I think it's Matthew 7, 7. Um, my favorite thing in the Bible is, um, oh gosh, this is great. Um, have you ever heard of... Um, this thing where it's uh, ask ask. Have we talked about this? Uh, I don't think so. I don't. That's not okay. Bells with me. Ask and you shall receive, and then the next line is seek and you shall find. So that's A and then that's S, hmm. and then the final letter of the acrostic is knock and it shall be opened unto you. Hmm. And I love it. Because I think it's a statement of duality. I don't think it's a statement of, um, I don't think it's a statement of blessing. I think it's a it's a warning from God. So so this is my idea about that. It's an acrostic in English. So it's A S K. Ask and ye shall receive. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. And I think that one of its intonations is not just if you look for the good, you find the good. I think it's also if you look for the bad, you're going to find the bad. Yeah, that's certainly true. I, I think you you definitely hear that in other forms. You know, you you get back what you put out into the universe, and you know, statements like that that are certainly more secular in origin. Yeah, but I think uh, one in the holistic community, which I was involved with too, as a person who studied energy work and wrote about Reiki and stuff like that, is uh, is the idea that where the attention goes, the intention goes. And then an extrapolation from that is where the intention goes, the energy flows. 
Now you hear how these things are like sing songy, like, you know, teach them they're, they're grade poetic. school. It, they're poetic, but they're grade schooly, school marmish things because yeah. this is the way that holistic arts have been taught forever. It, it wasn't in books and it wasn't in degree programs. It was taught mother to child. It was taught, you know, cousins taught each other these healing systems. I mean, it's just kind of what you did when you didn't have a an illegal thing like the licensing act, but we will talk about that another time. <laughs> <laughs> Because I think that's a total uh, sham on free trade, but I don't want you to state a position on that without even having a minute to think about it. Um, no, I'll have I'm, to do some reading on that one and yeah. uh, come back to that. It sounds okay. interesting, though. Yeah. Um, tell me about being a David. Did you ever think it? You never thought about the religious origins of it? No, not in any real depth. You know, obviously, I know of, of King David and 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 all that, but it never carried any special significance to me in that way. I guess I, I looked at the name and I thought, well, you know, it's just kind of a, a name, right? It's, just, it's okay. nothing, nothing real special. There were plenty of other, you know, Davids around, you know, I guess r relatively common or, or, or popular name for the era. Um, I guess you're right. I mean, I didn't have other Randolphs around, but I guess you had other Davids around. I can I can recall at least four or five in our grade, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, let's see. I can think of. You know, we can't. We can't because we didn't ask their permission yet. I'm not <laughs> going to I'm, I'm just thinking of them, trying to do a little quick inventory. Uh, Obviously, okay. the one that we've been messaging with recently, uh -huh. and uh, one starting in J as a last name, uh -huh. uh, also uh, of the tribe. Uh, yes, that's right. I'm trying to think of who else. Oh, S. David S. S. Yeah. Uh, Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And not so many others. Uh, there was a Y, a Dave Y. Yes. Who was, I believe, a member of the military, in fact. Yes. Um, and thank you for your service. And um, yeah, I don't know. So it was a common name around us. Yeah, it was. And I guess it, it's funny, you know, thinking about names at some point. I'm now having a memory of at some point in my youth talking to my parents and saying, well, you know, why can't I change my name? Can I be, you know, Peter instead? And I don't know why Peter was the, the name that, you know, came to me at the time. Yeah. But it was a, yeah. a thought that I'd had at one point in my life to change my name. Also pretty biblically important. I just have to throw it in. Okay, keep going. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Uh, um, yeah, but what was their reaction? What did your parents say? You know, I don't recall, honestly. Uh, it's it, it's sort of only the vaguest, faintest memory. You know, I, I can definitely distinctly remember there having been a conversation about it and that I initiated it and that, you know, Peter was the name I chose, but it never went any further than this sort of just. Yeah. I don't know, man. I think they might've had technology like um, they do in, um, in men in black where they flashed <laughs> a thing in front of your eyes and they're like, this conversation didn't happen. And you're like, okay, it's... this conversation didn't happen. <laughs> it's, it's possible. It's possible. <laughs> no, well, you know, your dad and... is pretty techie. Your dad is pretty techie. It, that's that's definitely true. Uh, one of the things that I discovered on, on one of my last visits uh, with them back in New Jersey was uh, the presence of a Geiger counter in their way. And when I asked my father about the Geiger counter that was sitting there, he said, well, you know, 
just in case. <laughs> and when you need to know, you need to know. <laughs> that is so pragmatic. I am it really so, is. I am so impressed by that. <laughs> so you know, it occurred to it occurred to me that some of my favorite radio programs are the radio programs um, where they have a bunch of journalists sitting around talking. And it's just a bunch of journalists. So like one of my favorites is on Sirius XM. Shout out to Sirius XM. You guys are getting free advertising. So pay up. No, I'm kidding. Um, Sirius XM, shout out to Julie Mason, um, who is at Julie Mason, I believe, on Twitter. She is the uh, head of the Reporters Roundtable discussion that happens on Sirius XM POTUS, which is an independent channel. And I have to tell you, it's really great to hear people from all the different media outlets talk together as journalists who are just plying their trade. It almost makes you believe in a field that wants to be righteous. Um, Is this like a meta conversation that they're having, you know, talking mm -hmm. about journalism mm -hmm. as a craft, as a trade? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they're talking about specifically the White House correspondence. So that's what she was. Julie Mason was the White House correspondent. And then what she does is she gets all these reporters who are also White House correspondents to talk. And it's really, really great stuff. And uh, when you hear people who obviously are talking from differently politically aligned establishments, but all coming to talk about the news at the same time and agreeing on the basics, it's really nice because you feel like you're getting a balanced view. Hmm. It's a glimmer of hope, I suppose. Yeah, I think so. And I think a lot of people don't know about Sirius and uh, the uh, the POTUS channel. And honestly, honestly, if they ever wanted to pick up my program, I would do it in a minute because I, mean, I, I, I believe in it, you know. I have I have flipped through the news stations on Sirius XM. I've seen the POTUS channel, but I guess when I flipped through, they weren't doing anything particularly interesting. Yeah. Give it a check. Give it a yeah, check. it's a lot of fun. So, so, but I think that's the same of other things. Every now and then I turn on other people. I'll, I'll, I'll hand on, I'll turn on Andrew Will Cow every now and then and I'll listen to him. Have you ever heard of this guy? No, I haven't. He has a program called the Will Cow Majority and I don't know where it hails from, but it's sort of in the Rush Limbaugh tradition. And I have to say that the things that the guy says hold together and make sense, which made, it so really when you made, say hold on a second, when you say the Rush Limbaugh tradition, do you mean sort of like the the rancorous, boisterous, you no. know, obnoxious way, no. or the, the, no. the sort of that arm of the of politics? That arm of politics, in terms of its, um, I want to say, in terms of its indignation at the name calling hmm. that comes from the left. And the name calling that comes from the left is righteous, but there is a point, and this is what the left doesn't know, and what, what I hope that, you know, a purple party can teach them, which I'm, you know, I don't know if you saw the crossbow design. Did you see the crossbow design? Yes, you sent me that. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's our new logo for the podcast, by the way. Cool. Uh, and the reason is because it's iconic because I had the person make it to be iconic because I'm like, make an icon. And she was like, okay. 
And uh, it's good so, to have artists on staff. It's good to have an artist. <laughs> and uh, she made something that I loved, and and I really just wanted Liberty's arm in this, you know, with the light of truth and welcome at the top, and then the scales of justice on each side. But the scales had to be purple because they had to be fair. They had to be both red and blue. They had to be purple. They had to, they had to, justice has to unite everybody and everybody has to unite around justice. And so when, when we were going over these concepts and then I'm looking at the thing after, after the artist rendered it and I'm like, oh my God, it's a crossbow. <laughs> <laughs> the crossbow of righteousness. Yes. And then I'm like, oh, and it can shoot truth flames. And that's kind of an angelic idea is that, you know, the truth is fire and that it burns. And then every time it comes out, everybody goes, ouch. And the reason they go, ouch, is because they're not used to being told the truth. And the more sort of, the more of that fire that I've adopted in my own therapy with people and the more people have gone, ouch, I'm like, they're not ready for this. I'm not supposed to be doing this with humans. <laughs> Some people aren't ready. Yeah. So then I decided uh, that the clients who value me the most are the ones who love that part of me because they know it's just in fun. And so what I decided to do is now uh, do radio. <laughs> right. Why not? I mean, anybody can do it now. It's, this, this anchor FM thing is amazing. It's so simple. It's good. It's good. Right. So anyway, so David, here's a question. Did you ever connect your name, David, to the musical parts of the King David story? Or did you know about the musical parts? I did not know about the musical parts, which is surprising, I guess, given the you know musical background that, uh, that we share. and We share, yes. Yeah. So just so you know, everybody, this David on the phone with me has how many patents now? Um, five, maybe? Something like that. Five there's, patents. There's a handful a pending. There's now. Keep in mind, these are patents that I developed at uh, un, under my employer, and yes. so they're assigned to to the employer. They're not my patents. Okay, but still, okay, patents. somebody had to do it, and it was you. Yeah. Okay. There were, there were interesting ideas that that my my employer said. Yeah, we we think we would like to own that and protect this idea. So. Very cool. So congratulations. Um, David literally was a rocket scientist. Uh, uh, <laughs> not he, quite, not quite. That's he, an overstatement. He, okay. I, he, I, you worked for Jet Propulsion, <laughs> Jet Propulsion Laboratories hired you, yes? They did. They did. And not, not, as a, not in a scientist role. I was a, a software engineer there writing mission support software. To oh, okay. But that doesn't make you a rocket scientist at all. Okay. I guess. I, no, because I wasn't calculating, you know, the trajectories of things flying in space and in you know, three dimensions. And... You were just doing the computers that did what again for the people in the spacecraft? The, the simplest way to say it is... Well, first of all, no people on these spacecraft. Jet Propulsion Laboratory does unmanned flights, mostly you know scientific research, the Mars rovers, atmospheric research, those kinds of things. In the, space. In, in space, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, definitely in space. And probably some parts that might not be considered quite space, if you think about the sort of uh, orbital aspect, you know, how, how high above the planet you might be before you decide you're actually in space. But okay. Is anybody listening to this podcast at this 
moment have any doubt about this man's intellectual qualifications because that's the point I was making. All right. And then the next point that I'm making is that you and I have a musical background together. We were in a lot of shows together and we were in choirs together, um, including the Bell Choir and the Chamber Choir, which was a select group of uh, musicians in our high school. And the New and Jersey All-State Choir. and The All-State Choir, All-South Jersey Choir, yeah. And then, uh, you know, that's there, were, there was a whole lot of music happening in Cinnamons in New Jersey, wasn't there? There sure was. It was a, a, a very gratifying part of my education back then. It uh, led me to even take a, a brief detour in my university education into uh, music as a major Really? I didn't know that. Yeah, for a time, I thought, well, I could take the sort of computer programming aspects of what I like to do and, and take the music aspects of, of what I like to do and combine those things and do you know recording engineering or, or something in that space, maybe do acoustic design for stadiums or concert venues or, or things, things like that. That's Turned out really not good. to be the path that I ultimately landed in, but it was an interesting detour. It is. And I guess that's one of the reasons why you and our friend Michael get along so well, because uh, you guys have some of those same interests. Um, I wonder also, uh, uh, were you going to continue to play? Is it the flute that you play? Flute was my primary you know, instrument, uh, if you discount voice, which really was, I guess, between the two, I, I'd probably say that my vocal music was stronger than my instrumental music. Well, you were wonderful at that, and I imagine you still are. And um, the uh, interesting thing about music is that I'm thinking of it in terms of brain development. So I'm thinking of it having worked with people who have all kinds of disabilities. Um, I'm thinking of it in terms of what is it that we can uh, learn about brain function in people who practice music versus people who do not. And there is some scientific data on this. Um, there was actually a series that was done on PBS called The Music Instinct. And The Music Instinct had people in it like Bobby McFerrin and Yo-Yo Ma. Mm -hmm. And then it had neuroscientists who said, guess what? Music is whole brain activity and most other things are not. That's interesting. Well, so, there's always yeah. something that I've been told and, and I've heard over and over that there's a high correlation between uh, musical ability and mathematical ability and, mm -hmm. uh, and, and language. It's sort of an interesting crossover point, it seems. I think so. And, and so, you know, one of the things that we had, we were, some of the songs that we were singing, uh, Mendelssohn songs were, how lovely are the, uh, the feet of them who preach the gospel of peace. And then you have this like sort of, you know, how lovely are the messengers, yes, who, who preach the gospel of uh, peace. I think that's the song. And the idea of the song, Mendelssohn, as you may know, is absolutely beautiful music. And the idea of the song is that it's actually the performers. It's actually the, um, the artist who brings you the gospel of peace because the artist has the ability to tell the truth. And I think that this, 
goes through our culture and every other culture in the world all the time that music has sort of a sacred truth element like if you're if you're concentrating enough to turn it into a song it's probably something that's important to you right yeah yeah it's it's important certainly and you know it may be you know as as some people are fond of saying your truth yes exactly exactly and i think musicians especially musicians who are taught to be expressive harmonically as opposed to expressive in terms of their um, syntax or, or language choices. Um, but they're to being told to be expressive in terms of the melody or the vibration that they create, the harmonies they create. Those people have a different understanding of communication than people who uh, have no uh, ensemble music experience. Yeah, there's something interesting about music too that there's there's some universality aspects yes. to the way music is understood and processed by people that is apparently culturally agnostic. Uh, I I couldn't claim to you know know the source of this information or you know it's something I've heard so long ago that I. I'm, could even challenge its veracity on, on that basis that they took, you know, various uh, classical music pieces and played them for, I don't know, I want to say like African tribes. And they were asked, they asked those people to describe the emotional states that were achieved during the listening. And they mirrored the emotional states of, you know, people from Western cultures and, and other cultures that, you know, listen to the same music. I wonder if Paul Ekman was involved in that research. He was um, known for the development of the six basic emotions that all humans share. And part of the research was to go into remote tribes that had no contact with um, Western world to see uh, what emotional fluencies they have. Hmm. And I wonder if, if, if maybe the research you're talking about was inspired by Ekman's work. Um, yeah, very yeah, the interesting. The name doesn't ring any bells, but I, I think this is information that's been in my head for, I don't know, 20 or more years. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Well, uh, if you want to see something that Paul Ekman worked on, there's a wonderful series called Lie to Me that talks about... Um, uh, human, I would call it human biomechanics, but affective signals that um, transmit whether a person is telling the truth or not. And the whole show is about that. And Paul Ekman consulted on the show. Huh. Yeah, Sounds really, good. really interesting stuff. So I want to ask you about David's musicality. You were not aware that the King of Israel was the psalmist. No. Okay, David, the king of Israel, was the psalmist. He wrote all the psalms. When you look in the book of Psalms, it's always a psalm of David. Hmm. Okay, and that's why David's as a musical name, because you know yourself and another David among us was were, were great musical influences for me. Um, so you two Davids always made sense to me because David was the psalmist. So, of course, David was going to be competent at music. That's very interesting. Names as destiny. <laughs> yeah, something like that. I, I, I was wondering a little bit about it um, because I've always been drawn to the Davids in my life. The Davids have always been truth tellers. The Davids have always been muses. The Davids have always been... Um, authoritative 
authoritatively good thinkers in one way or another. And, uh, and that's why I invited you and two other Davids uh, into a conversation for the show. Have you had uh, the others on the show yet? So I did one uh, with Dave P and um, it just is a bad recording. So I want to redo it. Oh, I might cool. split this into two different parts. And then, um, then I, I didn't get the other one with Dave O, but I hope that he will uh, join the conversation. And, and I, I would love this program to be voices from back home, people from Cinnamonson, people who are our friends, maybe some people we know who are doing some of these amazing things that you talked to me about one time. And I was hoping that maybe we could use Cinnamonson of all places as a way to sort of talk about, you know, our similarities as Americans and um, what we, how, how we came to believe what we believe and how it contrasts with what's going on right now. I think that would be a good thing for us to do. I think it would be great. I, you know, I think we've talked to uh, Kimberly about that. Yeah. She seemed interested in joining the, the show. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you so much for doing this tonight. I realize I ate up a half hour of your time. I'm, I'm sorry. I know you probably want to get your rest. Quite all right. Quite all right. I do have an early meeting tomorrow at uh, 6 a.m. my time. But uh, okay. night owl well, anyway. It doesn't really well, matter. Dave, I have to ask you, because I would ask any other person on the show, is there anything that you want people to check out because you were on the show, whether it's something, a project that you're working on, or there's a cause that you're interested in, or even um, you want people to check out, you know, a political philosophy or anything that crosses your mind that you'd like people to be like, hmm, I heard Dave Mays on and he said, check this out. The thing that really jumps to mind right now topically is, you know, I, I guess even the title of the pod, the podcast, you know, makes me want to go here. And it's not anything specific. It's not a specific website or, or anything that I'd want to point to. But the whole concept of, you know, American Unity Radio and Unity and the, the purple people, as you, you've been calling it, I, I think it's super important for everyone to stop hiding in their corners and talk and listen and be prepared to be uncomfortable with the ideas that you hear other people present. And instead of reacting to the ideas, listen and consider the ideas and decide how you want to respond instead of reacting. Well, there's a song that goes, you know, I heard there was a secret chord that David played and it pleased the Lord. <laughs> and just hearing this David talk, I think probably pleased whatever is rooting for the United States of America. So uh, I, I just want you to know that I think that. And uh, I just, I thank you so much for being on tonight. Thank you for doing this. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right. We'll talk again soon. Yep. Be well, Randy. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. Happy Independence Day to you. I know 
what we're gonna do. We're gonna be independents just like you and me. We weren't born Democrats or Republicans, you see. We have to just be you and me. We have to be you and me to be free. We have to think for ourselves all the time. Listen to my rhyme. We have to think for ourselves, it's true. We have to think for ourselves and not be loyal to a thought or a person or a political party like you. We have to be independent, that's what is true. George Washington said to do this thing that I am asking you to do. We have to be independent, can't you see? You have to be independent like me so that no one can enslave your mind. It's true. Hello. How are you, sir? Good, good. I am on the uh, podcast today with Dave Potabet, who is one of my co-workers, and uh, you're joining us on an episode of American Unity Radio. Thank you so much for participating today. Thank you. Very excited to be a part of the, uh, the broadcast. Yeah, yeah. So, Dave, I wanted to uh, tell you that um, we... We, of course, have a previous recording of you that we're, we haven't used yet because it was having some audio problems, and hopefully we won't have the audio problems today. But I've wanted to get you uh, on the show because uh, you're a very interesting person to me. Um, arguably, would you say that you're the tallest guy in our office? No, uh, Steve Visser's the tallest guy in our office. So oh, he's... man. Okay. Well, you would you say that you're among the most physically powerful people in our office? I would agree with that, yes. Okay, there you go. Okay, why, why so many muscles there, David? Uh, aside from being a brilliant civil servant who's committed to helping people with disabilities, what, what, do, you think, uh, what do you think is the physical power motive for you? Uh, for me, it was always a matter of uh, I had to excel at everything, no matter what. Um, you know, strength was always one of those virtues that was, you know, supported by my family um, in the endeavors that I took up in sport, both you know, track, uh, football in college and in high school. I was never going to be the fastest guy out there. Yeah, and I couldn't control that. That was the genetics thing. But through my efforts, I could always be the strongest guy. You know, so that's where I focused on ah. things. Well, that's fascinating. Now, tell me a little bit about your uh, your college days. Where did you go to college? Uh, originally, I went to Albright College out in Reading, PA. Um, oh, sure. I, cho- I chose that because you know, that was a conscious decision. I had the options of going to some larger schools, you know, like Tennessee, West Virginia, you know, and playing football there. I knew that wasn't going to be a reality until at least a junior year, possibly senior year, and I wanted to go right away. So I chose a small college where I knew I could go in and be dominant as a freshman. That's amazing. That's amazing. And uh, what division uh, was the uh, was the school you played for? Uh, division three. So it was the smallest school. It was closer to home. 
uh, you know, I could still continue with the relationship that I had with the current girlfriend at the time. So there were a number of factors that kind of played in. Yeah. So so Um, I I put a lot of thought into it. Uh, That's, that's really, uh, that's really cool. I also went to a division three school. I went to what was formerly uh, Trenton state college and, uh, and then it it became the college of New Jersey the year I graduated actually. Um, so Nito, Nito. So tell me about your your uh, love of sports. Where did you uh, Where did you pick that up? Uh, that was just That was just what we did as kids. You know, there wasn't you know the gaming systems and the electronic um, you know options. So we were just always outside doing things. Yeah. Um, and growing up, although I was bigger than some of my peers, uh, a lot of the friends that I played with were several years older. Yeah, so it was it was a level playing field that way. So I was competing against guys who were more mature, uh, more physically advanced. So I needed to compensate for wow. that, you know, by trying harder, putting in some more effort. Very cool. Very cool. I have a question for you, Dave. Have you ever given a lot of thought to the roots of your name, David? Uh, not a lot of thought. No. Um, it was yeah, it was just who I was. Uh, <laughs> but I, I had sort of mentioned you know, in our first conversation, you know, everything that I did, I didn't do some, I don't think, you know, I was doing due to my namesake. It was just because of the expectations, you know, of family, you know, the, the things that they would say to me, uh, they really empowered me to do the best that I possibly could in things. Huh. Uh whether that was due to my name or, you know, just my position in the family and those expectations, I really can't say. Uh But you tried to live up to those expectations rather than uh, anything having to do with your namesake. It's just what you seem to be telling. Correct. Uh, Yeah. The expectation, uh, not that you had to be the best, but you should try to be the best, you know, no matter what, you know, there was sort of, you know, Anything less than your best effort was unacceptable. Um, you know, you may be lacking in certain attributes or skills, but you know that wasn't an excuse not to try and be successful. You know, you had to compensate for those things because you know giving up was never an option. Let me ask you this. Let you me know, ask you this. Do you think? Do you think that there's a possibility that? Um, that 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 this country needs to unite around uh, the things we have in common, rather than uh, so much uh, division in our in our society right now. Oh, certainly. I, I think in any given you know circumstance, you know, both our country, any social setting, whatever, it would be much more advantageous to people to accentuate you know their commonality, their common interests, than to look for those things that. You know, are different and dividing it. You know, we can be respectful of those differences and those unique uh, aspects of people. You know, but to really further ourselves as a society, you know, we need to focus on our commonality. You know, and how we can work together to get forward. Um. Yeah, that's that's amazing. That's a, that's really really cool. Um, I, I'd like to see that too. And I think that growing up in, did you grow up in New Jersey? Yep. Uh, growing, uh, yeah, go ahead. 
Yeah. yeah. I, I'm sorry. Uh, a number of different places. You know, we moved quite a bit, but it was always within New Jersey. Uh-huh. Uh, I didn't really think politics was that big a deal when I was growing up. I thought that people had, it was kind of like people liked ice cream. Some people liked chocolate. Some people liked vanilla. You know, <laughs> it didn't really seem to be as big a deal as it is now. We actually have research that's showing that um, people are more likely to discriminate against uh, new entrants into the family through courtships, meaning, you know, the people that their sons and daughters date. They're more likely to accept people of different ethnic backgrounds and uh, racial backgrounds and, uh, you know, national um, origins um, than they are people who are of different politics from the family. And that was astonishing to me because on one hand, I'm like, wow, that's great. Like, that's progress. Like, we're not labeling people based on, you know, the color of their skin or, or where they come from. But on the other hand, I, I thought it was terribly depressing, too, because it meant that our politics now looms so large in our way of identifying ourselves. And that doesn't seem to be very good for the country. No, uh, I've always found it interesting, you know, how... Um, I get, for lack of a better term, loyal, you know, people are to whatever certain groups or, you know, their affiliations. I never understood that. I thought there should be much more fluidity and flexibility, you know, to adapt to a situation. You know, just because I identify with one particular group at a, a certain point in time, that doesn't mean, you know, my ideas, philosophies uh, are going to always align with them. Yeah. You know, so, you know, people should have that confidence in themselves. You know, decide, yeah, this really isn't me, you know, to be able to change, you know, throughout my life in regard to politics. You know, I voted for Republican candidates. I voted for Democratic candidates. You know, I've liked, you know, some independent candidates. Whoever matches best, you know, with my standards, my beliefs, you know, that's who I'm going to throw my support behind. It's not based on party alone. So you have just and heard, I, I don't know. you're just heard right here on American Unity Radio, a David, who happens to share the name with King David, but it's almost, it's almost uh, uh, a trivial point in your life, but who happens to share the name with King David, you just heard a David say, be an independent thinker, right? Is that what we just heard? On. Um, that is absolutely correct. I have always uh, been a firmly independent thinker. It's gotten me into trouble over the years, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, and that's yeah, not from a criminal standpoint, but in dealing with people in positions of authority, yes. not because I was disrespectful, but yeah, I, I like to know you know where they're coming from, you know, where the evidence is, you know, to support their ideas, so I can decide for myself, you know, whether that's right for me or yeah. not. Well, that sounds really good. And I'm grateful that you uh, took a, a second opportunity to come on the show and, and share with us uh, your perspective. But, but, but I have a question for you, and I'm going to ask this of every guest. I promise myself, okay? I promise you and okay. I promise myself I'm going to ask this of everybody who comes on the program. And I hope that you'll come on the program again if you want to. Um, but I want to ask you a very important question question is there something close to your heart 
that you would want to tell other people about who listen to this podcast? It could be anything. It could be a product that you're com- uh, promoting. It could be an idea that you have for our society. It could be uh, the fact that you make. Do you make? Uh, do you make? Do you do any uh, uh, quilting there, David? I don't think you do. You're not a quilter. No, I. I have some expressive interests. You know, I paint, I drum, I draw. Uh, I consider myself a decent writer, uh, but not so much quilting or, you know, putting together dissimilar. Um, well, wait a minute. You just told me uh, you have a musical point. interest. Tell me about the drumming. Uh, I've been drumming. Uh, I picked that up, I guess, when I was five years old. My uh, biological father had been a drummer, and there was some old stuff down in the basement. When I was at my grandparents, I would just go down and bang around. Uh, and uh, yeah, I started to get into it more in high school. Nice. And I've continued with it ever since. Gosh. You know, for me, it's just an outlet. When when things get to me, you know, that's a way for me to dissipate some of that stress, uh, just to re- rebalance. So where again. where does the drum set live? Uh, that is in our basement, nice. uh, which Debbie would like for me to soundproof, <laughs> you know, so everybody in the house doesn't get to experience it. But <laughs> well, we have a drummer in my house too, and his name is Leo, and he's six, so I totally get it. I totally get it. That and, um, that's really super cool. And I didn't know that about you. And I'm grateful to know that. Um, anything else that you would want to highlight about just being uh, uh, your, your thoughts about the world uh, in the middle of, uh, uh, well, I guess it's June 10th, or sorry, July 10th. On July 10th of 2020, what would you like to say to the world right now? Well, one of the things I was really happy you know, to see when you came up with the idea for American Unity Radio, especially at this point in time in our history, it, it, it seems as if we are moving toward a such a divisive nation. You know, it's almost it's history repeating itself um, where we were, you know, in the last century before a lot of the civil rights movement. And, you know, when things it was a really tumultuous time, and, you know, we've kind of gone back to that, which is absurd to me. Um, you know, I would have hoped that our society would have moved forward so we wouldn't have to revisit those things you know, every 50 years. But, uh, you know, we need to work together you know, and recognize you know, those things that we have in common. You know, it, it shouldn't always be an us versus them mentality. You know, it's us together. You know, there, there shouldn't be that objectified other that we have to vilify in order to feel good about ourselves. We can all be good together. Mm. Uh, I, I think we need to do a much better job at keeping open minds and a willingness. You know, maybe I have to give a little, and that's okay. If it furthers the cause for everyone, I'm willing to concede some ground if it helps everyone overall. And I, I don't see that really uh, we've become a much more self-centered um, and me first society. And that's really disappointing to me. Uh, we should all be successful, but not at the expense of others. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm hoping we get back more toward, you know, when our neighbors matter to us, our, our town mattered. You know, so there was a more of a collective consciousness rather than that individual consciousness. Uh, I think that can really further you know, get us back to the United States again.
Well, sir, I, I'm 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 almost willing to hand the podcast over to you. Uh, you uh, <laughs> you say so many things that sound so sweet to my ears, and I have to tell you that I've always admired you. And one of the things that I've always admired the most about you is your uh, your your constant um, uh, commitment to clarity. Uh, I've always enjoyed that about you, and, and I think it 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 shines through, and everybody who knows you sees it. So. Um, I just love that you said those things and, uh, I am going to actually, you just settled it for me. I'm going to, uh, retitle this, uh, this podcast, the, the wisdom of the date of the Davids. So (laughs) thank you so much, David. And thanks for being a guest on the program today. I, I greatly appreciate you and I hope you'll consider joining us again. I certainly will. Well, thank you very much for the opportunity to, you know, to share my opinions. All right. All right. Have a great day. You do the same. Thank Thank you. you. Bye-bye. Bye now. This has been a production of American Unity Radio with Dr. Randolph Shippon. Check us out on AmericanUnityRadio.com. There you can make contributions to our show. And uh, you can also uh, let us know that you want to be on the show. We're excited to talk with you. And uh, please, uh, come and join us again. We'd love to have you on the show. This is Dr. Randolph Shippon again with American Unity Radio. Join us next time. Mm